Hi, welcome Sanctuary Church family. It's so good to be with you again this week. I'm Pastor Michael. I'm Sister Eileen. We want to say a great big hello to Pastor Mel and Pastor Lisa. And my buddy Jude. Again, we welcome you to our table. We're going to continue our series on distinct relationships. However, this week we're focusing on our marriage relationship. Yes, and last week, let's recap a little bit. We said that a godly distinct relationship has three characteristics. It needs to have transparency, transformation, and transcendency. So this week, as we talk about marriage, we're going to focus on one word, transformation. And that means to change in character or condition, and really to be transformed into a different state. Mm -hmm. And typically, it's a positive word. So before we dive into this conversation, we're going to talk about, number one, the meaning of marriage, okay. both the world's view of marriage and what the Bible says, okay. the mission of marriage, and we're also going to focus on what it means to be distinctly transformed by our marriage. Okay. Three and things. Three things, yes. <laughs> and on a side note, just, you know, unrelational, I guess, is I think it's funny. God decides to give the meaning of marriage or his plan for marriage to Apostle Paul, who was not a married man, first of all, <laughs> and then even after all of this, decides to stay unmarried. So <laughs> perfect. I don't know. I don't uh, know what that's supposed to mean for all of us. I'm just kidding. I think God is brilliant by giving man the plan for marriage. Or ironic, you know. Okay. Or ironic. Or ironic. But but we won't start a war here. So <laughs> um, let's let's take slow down for a minute then, and let's take a look at our our own lives. When you look at your life, and I look at mine, okay. we realize that there are a series of changes, right? We, and that this change is really fundamental to who we are and really to the human existence because we go from childhood mm -hmm. to adolescence to adulthood. Mm -hmm. But I want to focus on eight sort of key life changes okay. that happen to right. us as an adult. Mm -hmm. And the first is number one, the initiation of adulthood. We graduate from high school mm -hmm. and then we either decide to go to college or uh, trade school. Yeah, we, we begin to start careers. We will marry. We have children. We buy a house. Mm -hmm. and uh, then Yeah, we choose churches yes. at times like these. Uh, you said have children, and then we'll eventually retire. That's a big life change. Yes, and so as these life changes happen, we we're have, we're forced or we're challenged to make choices at every sort of I like to call them forks in the road mm -hmm. or in these new seasons, and each one of these choices and changes begins to distinctly transform our lives and shape who we are. Yes. It, the eight that we listed, and, and there may be a few more, but the eight that you, you and I did list, well, four of those, maybe even five, if you buy a home before you are married, are big choices, forks in the road, uh, that begin, as you said, to distinctly transform our lives. But what is happening with each change is there begins to develop or emerge this me that I am becoming, yeah. the I that uh, forms, and that is my character, um, that's my habits, whether they're good or bad, and eventually emerging is the I worldview. Yes. And when we, when we join in a union of marriage, that transformation has to go from me to we. Yes, and we don't want to diminish this 
transformation that happens or this discovery that happens I think we've all heard of oh I needed to find myself right in our 20s well it's you know as you said change is fundamental and change is natural yes but the transformation goes it's not just myself anymore yes introduced as a new person so why don't we take a look at this word marriage and okay. what the world has defined marriage to be. And so, you know, culture, society has a definition of marriage, which we will unpack as we you know, go through this lesson. And it is distinctly different from what the word of God and the plan of God has for our marriages. And so when we think about that, you're transforming from me to we mm-hmm. and us as children of God and our marriages, we're also kind of fighting against the tides with culture. Right. So the the two meaning of marriages are the cultural societal meaning. We know that's in contradistinction and even conflict with what the Word of God tells us. So the meaning of marriage, again, is what we get from society, but also what the Word of God is trying to teach us. As we transform from me to we, conflict will begin to happen. And as we found out, it was like the second week of our marriage. <laughs> so we get uh, all... Throwing us under the bus early. <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we had a wonderful honeymoon yes. and it was, it was such a great time. And I did what any wife would do, right? There was no food in our pantry, so I went to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, happy man, happy life, right? That's what they mm-hmm. say. And I went to Costco, and I and I did what I had learned to do as a young lady. I went to Costco. I, you know, bought enough food and non-perishables for the month. And I got home, and I'm starting to unpack this. You know, the, you know what Costco does. There's like 24 pork chops, mm-hmm. and so there's only the two of us. I began to unpack the meat, and I individually wrap them so I can put them in the freezer, and then I'll leave out a few for me to cook for dinner. Mm-hmm. And I'm halfway through this process here, and. Mr. Fabulous chimes in with the words of... Mm. Yeah, he doesn't even want to say it. He knows what happened the first time he said it. Go ahead. You have permission. I said, that's not the way my mother does it. Oh, <laughs> it was so bad. Wow. First, Spirited second week discussion. Of Spirited discussion happened right after. And we're what we like to call intense fellowship, right? <laughs> we don't have arguments. We no. have intense fellowship. Yeah, and it's and it's funny, and we laugh about it now. We definitely don't ever say that statement again. But I, but looking back, or even in that moment after the fellowship intensely stopped, and we <laughs> we looked at why I even said what I did. Yes. I grew up with eight people in my home, so there was no need for my mother to do anything individually. It three growing boys, three, that. four growing, four growing boys, and, and then two sisters. So we just tore into everything that that came in. So interestingly, there was a event happening, but our perception was different because yes. of our cultural upbringing, yeah. and more than just a ethnical difference yeah just the way in which we were I came raised from a small family uh we were taught to you know everything in moderation and there wasn't a lot of us i was really an only child for quite some time and i and i think you know a valuable lesson which we were to keep coming back to that uh culture is a deceptive way to lead a relationship because yeah. of what it, it values or puts first so as we go deeper into this lesson, why don't you define that word culture in the context of our lesson? So 
culture obviously exists all around us and out of our choices and the impact of them on our worldview mm -hmm. uh, well really the impact of our culture begins to shape our worldview mm -hmm. is probably what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. and as we shared different cultural upbringings can sometimes impact the we mm -hmm. in our marriage right mm -hmm. my husband sweet husband perceived mm -hmm. something very different and was so confused by this very simple action that I was doing but it was filtered through the me and he made a suggestion and this it, suggestion... It, it created a clash. Yeah, it was a very big clash. Yes, yeah, so and, the, cl the clash of culture. Then. But I took it as a judgment, and yes. he was really just trying to share his worldview. Yes, the and judging would come later in the marriage. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, but the, the worldview, again, it's not, we're not just talking me being Hispanic and, and her being uh, uh, Japanese. It, it It's deeper than that. There is a... a deeper meaning to our marriage but sometimes when we look at what society tells us well this is this is how marriage looks and this is what it means to be married we often they'll often tell us well you try to find somebody who shares interests yeah. with you that that has that's into what you're into <clears throat> it's funny you could maybe do this at home or recall at home wherever you're watching even when you first meet somebody to date and then as that process goes on, we'll the say... The first question you ask is what? What What do you like to do? Or, or what are you into? Yes. So all these things, they they, they surround me. Yes. And, and we had that also. Well, I early on in our marriage, obviously, I, I promise we really did like each other. But we <laughs> came to find out these differences that we had. Yes. And I realized... As we were dating, he really loved sports. And in all of that, I knew nothing about any sport. Mm -hmm. Like, I know the ball is involved. And he happened to be very well informed about every sport. I wish it was just one. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would have been easier. Mm -hmm. So I just chose one. I was like, okay, the life had told us in order to be compatible, we should share the same interests. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so. I tried to get into football and I remember watching a game with him and I thought, I don't understand what's happening. So what I normally do, I ask a lot of questions mm -hmm. and at first maybe he thought it was cute, but eventually it was quite well, it clear. Was, it, was, <laughs> it was irritated it was, with me. I remember thinking that's really, that's really nice. That's cool. This is going to work. Uh, she's, she's interested in things that I am. And what started out as being interesting eventually became quite annoying after a thousand and one questions. I didn't it, know what was happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that what society and culture tells us, that this is how to build meaning in your marriage. If you look at that word interest, again, it's built around the me. Yes. It's what we like to do. So we need to go deeper than something that just interests us yes into something that works on our being values are what work on our being here we are again we talked about becoming and being and so we so really, relationships differently and value-based relationships are built on commitment yes, rather than just good. our interests very we have good. we have to have something greater than just what we're interested to because the reality is those interests change mm -hmm. and the me changes mm -hmm. and so if we are value-based then 
we sort of are begin to be shaped by this we as opposed to the me that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. We 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 are making commitments to things that have eternal worth. Yes, as you said, and it's very very good. Uh, you know, interests again surrounding around the me, but value based marriages are focused on the we. And they're greater. The Bible gives us greater things to build our marriages on than just things that we like or even share in common or trying to share in common with each other. The Bible gives us values like fidelity, integrity, honesty, peacemaking, forgiving. (laughs) I forgave her. Grace. Those are values rooted in the Word of God and, and money, entertainment, wealth and prestige all of those things are very selfish and and it's this is why this is why paul in ephesians 5 and you can grab your bibles oh uh my wife's gonna read he he focuses on the individual first from a different perspective before he starts outlining god's meaning of marriage yes so why don't you get your bibles out ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 through 20 (laughs) and paul challenges the church he says instead Be filled with the Holy Spirit to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So before Paul outlines a healthy marriage, because that happens right after this, he says we need to focus on our worship to God. He's not actually having us focus on the me. Mm -hmm. He's telling us our focus needs to be vertical. Mm -hmm. Because Paul understands that rooted in most relationship issues are ideas that are sometimes selfish. Mm -hmm. Unintentionally, right? Paul makes particular emphasis that we have been filled with the Spirit of God. So, if we can get our worship right, then we'll get our worth-ship right. Wow. And our marriages often feel pressure from the culture around us, which always seems to tell us that we don't have enough, we're not enough, and, you know, we we begin to see the breakdown. The the breakdown, the conflict happens because we're going to reach for things that are going to fall apart. Paul says, as you mentioned vertically, if you can believe that you're accepted by him, then you're going to accept each other for as we're developing the we and and we see in our society that we often feel that we don't we don't have enough money we don't have a big enough house the kids don't have uh, uh or the kids need a better education and then that somehow that those things that we are reaching for begin to create an identity in us that, well well we don't we're not enough then yeah then because we are we don't have more that somehow we are less and this is a very contractual way yeah. to view marriage that's cultural's idea so that, and that is the world's view that yes. your marriage is a contract mm-hmm. right it says that you have an obligation to me to do something mm-hmm. because we've come to an agreement that we're going to do life together mm-hmm. it's a marketplace view of what relationships are i have something to bring to the table you have something to bring mm-hmm. to the table. And so, by virtue of what we have, it makes us better. But the reality is, is I, that means I am imposing the obligation that 
You need to give me what I want. Mm-hmm. You need to give me what I feel I deserve. And the, and you need to give me the things I feel mm-hmm. obligated to. But Paul says that this is selfish. Yes. That we have really, we've already been given everything mm-hmm. that we need because we have the Spirit of God. So when we enter marriage as a contract, that's when things begin to fall apart mm-hmm. because nobody can meet all of our demands and all of our expectations. Mm-hmm. This is where the breakdown happens, the yeah. emotional breakdown that happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, separation, divorce happens. But long before that, there's an emotional detachment that will begin to uh, fill with each other. The resentment that uh, happens. The resentment. Yeah. We, we handed out, hopefully it got to you, and it, maybe it will get to you, some divorce statistics just, just uh, to look at and just to kind of bring some sobriety that, that it's real and it's hitting all sectors of our society. So hopefully that got to you or, or will get to you. But I think when, what all of that is telling us is that society's way of doing things and how they define marriage in terms of a contract, I think we know that it it's not working. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't work. <clears throat> uh, you know, the, those ideas, that contract, that marketplace view of relationships that contract that that really is to impose an obligation on someone to fulfill needs that I have here's what we're saying so I want a person that won't change me Mm -hmm. accepts me as I am and how I'm going to (laughs) remain somehow that individual is to move me towards my goals Encourage me to fulfill my dreams, romantically satisfy me. And we're supposed to say beautiful forever, right? And it's be- like we yeah. were when and, we were in our 20s. Gorgeous and handsome. And, and then like, oh, and a Christian. Yeah. And you said it, you <laughs> All said things. it best. I can't even live up to the own ideals I hold myself to. Yeah. To impose that on someone else is just going to create a conflict. It's going to create resentment. It's going to make people feel guilty. And it's going to cause us to emotionally separate Here's the crux of the matter. God's system is not contractual. It's covenantal. Yes. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And a covenant is something, isn't something that you break. It's something that you commit to. Mm-hmm. Contracts can be weakened, right? You can get out of a contract. Uh, but a covenant is something that is strengthened and really becomes more beautiful let's, let's over define, time. Let's define covenant for us. What is So a covenant is binding parties together or to tie together. Paul tells us that we are to bind together through submission to God and to each other. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians chapter 5, and so we're going to read through verses 21 through 25, and then we're going to break it Perfect. down. Well, he's going to break it down. Yeah. Um, but okay. it says, Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives also submit to their husbands in everything. Um, Husbands, Love your wives yeah. just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. That means you died for me. Uh, I'm yeah, just kidding. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are two things that Paul tells us about our marriage in these verses. And the first one is, number one, wives submit yourselves to your husbands. Okay. 
you know, as the as the Lord uh, unto the Lord. Right? Okay. And then secondly, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Okay. So the two ideas that Paul's trying to communicate. Let's let's take the first idea then yeah. of of uh, submission. And, and that's rooted in verse 23, and it's going to carry over to all the other verses that uh, my wife read through verse 25. So let's break this down. Let's unpack this together. In verse 23, which is the foundation that carries us into these ideas of submission, Paul gives us three nouns, and it's important to focus on this. So this is going to get a little teachy, but just kind of put the thinking cap on and let's go together. There's three nouns listed. The first is each other. Yes. That's a pronoun, propositional pronoun. Then there's Christ. There's this word reverence, which, what does it sound like to you? A verb, it action sound, word. It right? sounds like a verb, an action word. But Paul gives that word to us. Reverence is a noun. And Paul would use, in his writings, he would use nouns to describe feelings. So reverence really means in the gut. We feel most passionately about things in fear, which is a derivative of this word reverence, in our gut, that fight or flight method. We feel it here. And so Paul is telling the lady, you need to, sub you need to feel the submission here. Like submission first has a feeling, not an action. Oh. And he tells us, he tells us, and I have to kind of, I feel like I have to do this for the men. I'm sorry to tell you, it's not really what we think. Ladies, this is even more beautiful for you because Paul tells us the reverence doesn't come to the husband first. The reverence is to the Lord first. The literal breakdown of verse 23, which is the foundation for all other submission scriptures in this marriage passage is submit to each other because of the gut of Jesus Christ. Now listen to what he's trying to tell us. A lady's submission keeps in view the passion and the giving and the self-sacrificing that flow from the very gut of Jesus Christ. The lady is to, is to submit not because of him, but because of him. That's the lady first looks to Christ, therefore is able to submit to her husband in view of all of that. That's a covenantal relationship. Yeah. It's not positional. God sees it as relational. Covenant relationship is not positional. It's relational. God not only became a man, he came to be with man and out of what we call the church, draw a bride for himself. So covenantal submission, uh, it's a relational attitude that focuses on submission in the lady and service in the man. This service, of course, is born out of love because of man's uh, love for his wife. The, the love that God, that a man has for his wife, God allows the man to lead. Now, here's where it gets interesting, okay? Okay. So, or good. Yes. Here's where it gets even better. So, that's awesome because it has more to do with my relationship with him than it does to him. If this relationship is correct, this relationship is going to be correct. And God says, well, the love that you have for your wife qualifies you as her leader. And as her leader, I'm going to put authority, I'm going to give you the authority to lead headship over your wife. Okay. 
we never stop and ask ourselves, lead in what? Mm. Headship over what? Jesus redefines headship and authority in Matthew 23. It's so beautiful. It's very beautiful. Matthew 23, he looks at the disciples and says, look at the Pharisees. They're an authority because it's positional. They sit in the uh, Moses' seat. But I'm going to show you what real authority looks like. And he begins to serve. And so headship in the kingdom of God and headship in the meaning of marriage as the word of God teaches us, it's really rooted in a serve first attitude. The true Jesus Christ was the true servant of God, therefore qualified to be Lord over all. So when we look at Paul's words of submission and then authority, what the lady is, what the lady should do is allow man to lead first in giving, mm. in his service, in his self-sacrificing, even if it meant to lay down his life for his wife. That's beautiful. It is, and this beautiful covenantal love that our spouses allows us to receive mm -hmm. something and Paul actually tells us this in Ephesians chapter 5 if we keep reading verses 26 mm -hmm. it says to make her holy and clean mm -hmm. washed by the cleansing of God's word he did this to present her to himself mm -hmm. as a glorious church without mm -hmm. spot or wrinkle or any other blemish instead she will be holy and without fault so this self-giving covenantal love in a godly distinct relationship allows us to be bathed and cleansed mm -hmm. by the acts of service and sacrifice that our spouse does for us. Mm -hmm. It washes us from our insecurities. Mm -hmm. It washes us from shame, feelings of guilt, feelings of inferiority, mm -hmm. the anxiety that we feel, mm -hmm. the worry that we feel. When seasons of life begin to overwhelm us, we can lean on our husbands because we know that he's serving first in every area of our life. And that self-sacrifice brings the beauty in a very, what can be a worn marriage. Mm -hmm. It brings that beauty back. And those feelings, when we're overwhelmed, we can be secure. And this is really the mission of a marriage to mm -hmm. be distinctly transformed mm -hmm. the mission of marriage so there's the meaning the meaning is we're in covenant we saw that the mission of marriage is different than contract marriages yes very different the mission of marriage is that you and I would be transformed by our spouse mm -hmm. just as Christ has transformed our lives when we came into the church right. the bride the spouse were transformed by the spirit of god we're transformed what does that mean that we are giving and we're loving we're receiving kindness and forgiveness one with another all of this brings wholeness into our lives this wholeness brings peace that's what wholeness is is to have peace in our lives so I want to go a little slow right here and just really nail down this point. And here's the point. I'm going to read it to you. God's mission for marriage is this. We are given somebody who is opposite of us. And out of the conflict and submission and service to each other, in us develops 
godly thinking, godly living, godly character, and true godly transformation. What is emerging is a you that looks more like him. Right. Is a me that becomes more of a we in view of Christ and his church and the bride relationship. This is what it means to be distinctly transformed by marriage, living above the norm. Once again, we're so honored to be with you. Yes, uh, we've been we having a good time. We're absolutely honored. Don't take it lightly to be able to speak to you on this topic. We now are going on, uh, what's this year of our marriage? We are going on 20 years of marriage. 20 years of marriage. Yes. October 15th. <laughs> October 20th. Uh, we know how to, you got to have some humor if you're going to make it this long. <laughs> October 20, 20 years, we'll uh, celebrate our marriage. And, and we're so thankful that God yes. has distinctly and is distinctly transforming us from the where we started to where we are now. I want to pray with you before you go. And uh, did you have one last thing? Go ahead. I was just going to say, and it does get better. It, it does. It gets yes. better with time. As the old song says, sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Uh, let's pray for them. We, we want to pray over you. We understand the challenges of marriages, uh, all our marriages. There's not a perfect marriage. And uh, we believe that if God is in it, then everything's going to work out the way he planned. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We understand the challenges of our marriages. We understand the assault on marriages and, and the contract that society wants to impose on us. But we're in covenant with you, Heavenly Father. And because we're in covenant with you, we're in covenant with each other. And nothing is going to break this. It's only going to build it. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you're doing, for the grace and the mercy.